I would say let love win. That is the barometer that I use to lead my life. It is the lens that I look through and the question that I ask myself every day, how can love win in this situation? Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. All right, so Kelly, I'm excited. I want to know about this electrocution thing now because I want to know two things. You know, what did you do to be put on death row for you to go to an electrocution and how are you able to survive it? Now, the rumor is, I don't know how true it is, they say if you live through three of those shocks in an electric chair, they let you out free. But they said no one's ever got through the very first shock yet. So <laughs> I'm very interested in this one. I would, I, it was actually not an electric chair. So I grew up in New York on Staten Island. And people don't think of it as being a boating community, but it is. So my family had a boat. And on the weekends, we used to go to different places. So one weekend, we went down the Jersey coast and we docked our boat at a restaurant, resort, hotel. And so we hopped off the boat and the kids went in the pool. And I came back to get on the boat and they were doing construction on the dock. And I didn't know it. I was standing on live wires, enough to light up the entire dock, wet from the pool, and reached across to grab the metal ladder to get onto the boat. So mm -hmm. I instantly was just shock running through volts running through my body. And a friend who was with me touched my back. She broke the current, and I was able to release my hands from the ladder, and I was suspended over the water. So I fell into the water and in August in New Jersey there was a pool of jellyfish who just grabbed me and started pulling my body down and my dad jumped off the back of the boat and he reached down and pulled me up by my hair my body was covered in jellyfish wow. so it was a double sting literally and um, that's how that happened wow and how old were you I was 11 12. last week yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, okay. Wow, that's 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 an amazing yeah. The on the live wires again. It's, but then the jellyfish taking. I mean, I heard of them. I've heard of them. You know, stinging you and things. But I never heard of them actually grabbing, pulling. So, I mean, is that a bunch of them together? One huge jellyfish, or there was sort of a pool of them that pool of I them. Okay, fell into, and they kind of just grabbed me, and I started going down with them. Yeah. Now, so then uh, do you have to go get medical uh, help, uh, treatments from the electrocution yeah, to check, make sure was, everything's working correctly? Yes. I, I was most concerned about my dad because everyone in his family had a, a bad heart. They all had heart disease. And so I was more concerned about consoling him, even though I was in shock. I was going, Dad, I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm okay. And so, yes, I did get taken and checked out. I did not get back on the boat that day. I was eventually driven back home. And thankfully, I did not have any long-term issues from that. But I, I could still remember how it felt to have that electricity going up to my brain and down my yeah. spine and through my hands and my teeth chattering. It was an experience. 
Wow, I, I, that would be an experience that uh, I, I don't want. I don't want to test the electrician more than I have to. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow, to be to, to do that. I mean, because theoretically, you know, if everything would have uh, gone the a uh, little different way, you wouldn't be here today. So, no, uh, no, my, so yeah, thankfully I didn't have burns on my feet or hands. So was thankful to have yeah. a friend there who just her instinct yep. was to just reach out and touch me, and it broke the current, and she got shocked as well. Yeah. And of course, then brave dad. Of course, parents they'll do almost anything to for their children. So that's right. uh, that's so that's a uh, that's it's awesome that you had those around you during that time. All right, now Kelly, let's just jump on. Uh, you had these uh, two automobile accidents. Um, uh, that's all you told me. You gave me two automobiles. You didn't tell me how severe. I don't know if it's just a little fender bender or you totally crashed or what. But so let's uh let's get into those and see what's happening here. So the first car accident, I was uh, finishing my degree at Rutgers University, also in New Jersey, and I was driving home. I was actually in Newark, going through a green light, and some young people had stolen an SUV. And in Newark, New Jersey, back then, they liked to do those high-speed pursuits. So I was going through a green light while the police were chasing these kids in a stolen vehicle at about 90 miles an hour coming through the red light. So I got T-boned, complete shock, you know, barely had a moment to see it coming. And so that led to head injuries and uh, spinal injuries, subluxated discs up and down my spine. My knee was injured um, at the time. So that went into quite a bit of rehab and um yeah, head, the head injuries were challenging. If you looked at my notes for the last end of my semester, it looked like a severely handicapped person was taking my notes. It was hard to focus, concentrate, headaches, and just chronic back pain and a lot of physical therapy and rehab from that one. Wow. After that, it's just amazing you graduated. I'm, I'm assuming still, I don't know if it was still on your pace, your time, or if you had to take some time off from it. Uh, but just to continue on, again, with all the physical pain and everything and the, uh, yeah, the headaches. The, now, how, how severe may have been the uh, brain injury, the TBI? Yeah, it, it actually was not uh, long-term effects. It just took, you know, several months to get rid of the headaches and to be able to refocus again. Um, I did go on to my master's degree after that. I continued my physical therapy throughout my master's, and I was able to finish three college degrees by the time I was 22. So um, I don't think there were really long-term injuries, but just fighting through those headaches and sleepiness, not being able to focus and concentrate very well, just having to work extra hard to stay focused. Three college degrees. Yeah. You, you are the owner of this book of success, habits, and super achievers. Hey, we got uh, Danny, Danny and Graves cards, cards and toys coming in for the first time. Hey, thank you. I, I, I know you've been a subscriber. Appreciate that. And saying hello to me. And hello, Kelly. Hello, Danny. So appreciate you coming in today, Danny. And so, wow. So like I said, let me go back to this. Um, that uh, you are, let's get a copy of that book back up here. You are with three college degrees by 22, success habits of super achievers. Now, have you always been known to be a high achiever? I have been, yes. I've been fortunate and blessed to do a lot of things in my life. Um, I do have several best-selling books. I've been on all the major networks as a fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and wellness expert. I've traveled around the world speaking on stages and 
Uh, I've got to work with some really cool people and, and do some incredible things all in the health, fitness, nutrition, and wellness realm. Well, you're a busy, busy woman. And we appreciate that because the, the the more you can get out, the more you can help other people. So That's right. appreciate that. That's right. So, all right. So automobile number one, T-boned. Yes. What happened with number two? So I was driving in the um, passing lane and a drunk driver fell asleep behind the wheel in the middle lane, went down on the accelerator and hit me from behind. So it was a hitting and spinning injury. Again, no notice, unexpected. And we kept spinning and hitting off of each other. So it was another one where head injuries and continued spine injuries. So back to the emergency room and, you know, get checked out again. And then another lengthy rehabilitation, really strengthening the core muscles and learning again to refocus, get rid of the headaches. And I was really fortunate that I have always been someone who's been fit and ate well. And so I was able to use all of my lifestyle habits to just know that I was going to get back to a fit body and not accepting that I'm going to be in chronic pain. I'm not going to be able to do activities that I love. I'm not going to have the energy or the focus. So because I identified as someone who was going to be fit and really determined to help other people be fit, I just decided that I was going to be the best patient in rehab. I was going to do all the home therapy and whatever it took to nourish my body and sleep well and, and make really good choices and not make the bad choices. Well, and, and thankfully you did, you did that because it made recovery easier, quicker than probably the normal person that's uh, not quite in the same shape. So, uh, I, for example, with me, when I had my injury of being an athlete, uh, the doctor even made a comment, if I wasn't an athlete, I probably would have died from my injury when I got paralyzed. And so, uh, yeah, so same thing with you, uh, being healthy and uh, fitness and everything was definitely a benefit uh, during all this. Yes. All right. Now let's get to the topic of divorce. Now I've done several shows. I've never been married, so I can never throw in my real two cents other than what I would have done or could have done. None of us. So I'm ne I don't have the practical experience. So I, one time I, I quit doing this a long time ago, but one time I used to, you know, when you get out of high school, you see your friends every now and again, and then, you knew they married their high school sweetheart and you knew them both in school. Then you find that they're divorced, but then you hear them both whining and crying about each other. Now they don't say anything good. It's all bad. And one time to one of them, I go, well, I can't wait to get married so I can get a divorce. And boy, they started attacking me then I'm going to wait. So, so I don't do that nowhere near as often uh, on that comment because I've never been there. So I don't want to portray it. So, all right, Kelly, let's go into it love of your life and then it just things didn't go right and had to end up doing the separation uh i mean separate divorcing and so uh, we'll let you take it from here then let's okay. see because again the, the thing we're doing is we're building up how you've been so resilient to move on and persevere yeah. So marriage was very important to me. I got engaged right after my master's degree. So I was 22, just going on 23. So um, I was young. He was 11 years older than me. And when I got married, it was forever. It was for good. It was till death do us part. And 
I never considered divorce. It just wasn't an option for me. And if you had my ex-husband on here, yes, he could say things about me, just like I could say things about him. But that's not what this is about. This is about. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're not using this as a trash show. No, not just, at all. We're just I, using I, it to, you know, to demonstrate how things could have uh, got bad during divorce. He said it was dramatic, but uh, not to, again, blame each other and a bunch of stuff, but how you've been able to move on through life. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the person who is left tends to feel really rejected. The person who leaves tends to feel a lot of shame and guilt for breaking up their family. So it is a big deal. I mean, God brought people together in marriage. It was the very first covenant. So when it is ripped apart, it is literally a tearing of your soul. Every area of your life just changes. A lot of times uh, you, you're moving, your job may change, your friends may change because everyone was couples, your kids might go to a different school. I mean, it's just a, it's a massive life event because it's attached to your heart and the emotions. Um, there's just so much that goes along with it. So you want to do it as healthy as you possibly can. So um, I was in shock when my husband said that he was leaving. When you start the grief cycle, the very first step is shock. And then from shock, you kind of go through not in a straight line, but some people are angry, some are bitter, some are depressed, some are sad, some are, you know, some are happy, I guess, but you really need to be real and kind of dig into the healing, even if it was a you know, found a good reason for you to leave and you might feel more peace, you still really need to kind of dig in and you want to be a better version of yourself and not repeat that same cycle over again, because a lot of people will just get with another person and it's just a different face, but it's the same addiction or the same, you know, ugly cycle. So for me, I did uh, all kinds of things. I did go to divorce recovery. I went to counseling. I went to the healing place. I read the books. I listened to the TED Talks. I had great friends who had wise counsel. I went on retreats. I mean, I, I really, really took time to hold the mirror up and to heal, to not only get to a place of healthy, but wow, I, I can build this whole amazing bonus life that I never thought I'd have because no one has the story they thought they would have, <laughs> let's be honest. But how do we really make the best of it? And how do we navigate if there's kids involved and their hearts? And so if you want to be well, if you want to live a healthy, joyful, you know, incredible life, you really need to handle all those things in the best way possible. And it, it does take work. It's not magical. <laughs> it does take work to really dig in and figure out what was my part in it? How was I responsible? Uh, and uh, two questions here, children. I do. Uh, I have a son who's 21 and in college, a baseball player, and a daughter who is 20 and in college and an equestrian. There you go. Now, I could talk to your baseball player because that was my main thing, even though I got the neck broke playing football. But my main thing was baseball. I could talk to him with baseball. All right. So, so children were involved with the divorce. Okay. And um, how long? The marriage how long before? 25 years. We were together. Wow, 25 years. Okay. Yeah, it's a long, long investment. It is. Okay. Now, you said when he came to you, did you know it was coming? Did you have an idea? But all of a sudden you go, what? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, did, you have I, a, did, you, did you have an idea, an inkling that you know, uh, he I, was thinking this way? I would say for everyone, it's sort of a slow fade. I knew neither one of us were really happy. 
but we're at the phase where kids were about to go off to college soon and they were finishing the high school years. And that's kind of when you, okay, now it's you and I, we're going to do all the things we talked about once the kids were gone. And so I was planning for that, that next season of life. And he was planning something different. He, he was re-engaged within a month of our divorce. So he had a different plan, mm-hmm. um, but you, you navigate it as best you can. I never thought he would leave, to be honest, at all. So I was pretty shocked when he said that. I, I mean, you remember the moment, what you were wearing, you know, all of that. So I would say shock was, was a good word. Okay. And again, I've never been married, so I, I have no idea. So I'm just trying to ask some questions that maybe other people would ask. Now, um, I'm like you. You need to figure out what was my part of the wrong so I can grow to be better. You know, you're still young. You wouldn't want to have another relationship. Maybe Marriage may not be the thing, but you want to get other relationships. And so, you, like I said, you don't want to repeat yourself. And so did you doing all the TED talks, all the book reading, everything, workshops and everything, whatever you did, do you did you find out how to improve yourself and and have you ever caught yourself trying to revert back? And then you go, whoa, whoa, stop that. And then Yes, absolutely. So so change obviously can be challenging. For some people, it happens in a moment. You, you just have some massive revelation and you'll see people who like quit smoking in a moment where they've been smoking for 20 years and other people, they quit and they go back and they quit and they go back and it's torture and they have shakes and headaches. And so some things you just decide once you have that revelation, like, wow, I'm, I'm never going to do that again. And to the best of your ability, you don't. Sometimes there's triggers you know, you think you're over something and then you see your ex, you know, with someone on Facebook and you're like, oh, and then that re-triggers something or, you know, it could be anything that happens. But for the most part, there are a couple of things that really made a difference for me. One was my identity, where my identity was being a wife, you know, so I had to change that and realize that I'm a whole person by myself and that those things, unfortunately, are, are temporary. They're not supposed to be, but they just are. I mean, 54% of first marriages, unfortunately, end up in divorce. And the second marriage, the divorce rate is even higher, which is why I wanted to get well, because I'm not doing this again, <laughs> not mm-hmm. doing divorce again. Um, so identity, really getting to know me and who I am and how I'm wired and what my purpose is and my plan. So spending a lot of time on the self-care, self-love and all that. Another was forgiveness. So not only forgiving my ex, but the bigger part was forgiving myself because I there it is. Yes, you've got to forgive yourself. I mean, we we've been taught forgive other people, but I'm a big believer. You wouldn't hear enough of it. We've got to forgive ourselves and forgive our past and forgive our mistakes from and then move forward. So we don't keep throwing ourselves back on the uh, bus line or the the road and get run over again. You know, so yeah, we definitely got to forgive ourselves to be able to move on in life. That's right, because we're we're holding our own feet to the fire. We're burning ourselves. We're condemning ourselves for whatever we felt we did, whether you had an affair or you were whatever it was. Um, you have to forgive yourself for doing it because we're we're not perfect. None of us are. And if you don't, it is a hidden cancer. I mean, not forgiving yourself is just, you're going to stay bitter. Everyone's going to do something. Uh, I've seen people isolate. I've seen people just, you know, get into other relationships. They turn to alcohol or whatever the addiction is, escapism. I mean, everyone's going to do something. (laughs) We want them to do something healthy. And when you forgive yourself, it's a clean slate and it's a new 
fresh start and you can just decide how you're going to live now that you're you've forgiven yourself instead of seeing yourself as you know a loser or failure divorcee you know whatever you want to do it just changes the atmosphere when you forgive yourself it lightens things up and allows for more joy so forgiveness was a big part um, I would say really envisioning an exciting future. So leaving the past, just renew your mind to the past. It's over. It's gone. There's nothing you could do to change it. There's no sense in turning back and looking in the rearview mirror and, and crying over all the things that could have been and things you could have done differently, but really start to imagine this vibrant, incredible future and then working backwards from that. So coming up with a plan, once you can dream about, wow, you know, this could be my life and it could be exciting and better than I even originally thought or imagined. And then what do I now need to do every day to take steps to make that happen? Dreaming to make the exciting future, you're saying, doesn't mean laying in bed 18 hours a day, sleeping and dreaming, you know, what life could be like. It's actually getting up when you're not feeling good to make the steps necessary to have that brighter future in the future. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. that's right. And then really commit to it. Um, what do you need to learn to make that happen? Because a lot of times, you know, where we are now is based on what we know and the decisions and the habits that we have. But what new information do I need or who do I need to meet or what do I need to learn? And then um, another big thing was gratitude, you know, really being thankful for where you are and what you have. Because um, you, you're you breathing, you've got air in your lungs. I mean, you have something to be grateful for. You have a roof over your head, you have a car in your driveway. I mean, start somewhere and then it becomes um, just you start to look for things to be grateful for throughout your day. And it's just a universal principle. As you're grateful for things, more things will come because you have gratitude for what you have. And it, it helps you to replace the negative self-talk. So I journal every night. I have a gratitude journal. So it just reminds me all day long to be thankful for something that came in the mail or um, someone who I got to talk to, you know, just being able to go out and whatever, whether it's just go get fresh produce that's available to you. I'm just all day long. That's my mindset of what am I thankful for? And instead of the mindset of punishing myself or criticizing myself because our mind is, is really the beginning of everything that happens in our life. Our mind controls our thoughts, our thoughts, our actions, our actions, our habits, and our habits become our identity. So um, that, you know, gratitude is a big, big part of it. Do you believe that we are actually harder on ourself than other people for example we start something we try a new business trying to start our own business whatever and then you hear your friends going well, that's not gonna work you're wasting your time you're wasting your money uh you're gonna fail at that why are you even trying at that and then even though they're saying it in their own mind it's still our final decision to go do it and i i think we prevent ourselves from stepping to a better future more than the outside environment acts yeah. like it's portraying us. 
Yeah, well, that, well, that all of that is true. I mean, first of all, you have to be strong enough. If you look at the most successful people, they have overcome the hardest things. They're the most resilient. They've got knocked down 10 times, got back up 11. I mean, if you're going to be an entrepreneur or do anything great in this world, you can't listen to what the outside is telling you, but also get better friends. Get friends who dream big, who have accomplished a lot, who are ahead of you in the areas of life that you want to get to who are going to naturally encourage you, have resources to help you, want to mentor you. So who you're connected with is definitely important, but it does start with your own mind. I mean, in life, it is full of rejection, but you have to keep getting back up. You have to build that resilience. And when I look at my kids' generation, it definitely concerns me. These kids aren't necessarily having the same resilience that I think our parents had and even we have. So um, we can't be quick to catastrophize, you know, as soon as one thing doesn't go right, it's like, oh, forget it, it was a bad idea, I shouldn't even do it. And um, yeah. we have to really put boundaries on media, on outside influences, and only, you know, look at things that are going to give us constructive, positive feedback that help us move towards our goals to make really good, decisive um, actions and in the process, don't beat ourselves up, but nurture ourselves and keep things in perspective. And just remember, be bold, be brave. Anything great that has ever happened has come out of someone, you know, stepping out of the box, doing it differently. I mean, Steve Jobs came up with the iPhone. I mean, people probably told him he was crazy and Thomas Edison and we could just, you know, anyone who's done anything great, someone probably told him that's not possible. That's not a good idea. You have to believe it enough to overcome all the naysayers and the hard things. And do you, uh, going back and I can understand at 11 years old, I mean, I had the same thought my way, mine, but uh, as you're getting older and stuff, do you, do you think the reason you've been able to be resilient and persevere is something if you've always been, positive setting, a positive mindset, uh, the go-getter type again, uh, again, the super achiever. You've always been like that uh, for you not to give up. I've always had a really good work ethic. So I've always been willing to work hard and probably, you know, work too hard. I, I outwork a lot of people and sometimes that's what it takes. My faith is also really important to me. So I spent a lot of time in prayer and just believing. Um, I look at the successes of other people who are ahead of me, but also if I'm feeling down or defeated, I can look at my own past successes and say, well, you know, you're not going to be a hundred for a hundred and not everything you do is going to work. So you might have 12 things in a row that don't work. You got to try the 13th thing. So encouragement is something that we all have the ability to have. <laughs> it's a, a muscle you can develop and you need to keep picking yourself back up over and over and over again and build that encouragement muscle. And then, you know, in this world where it's just going so fast and stuff's coming at us, we have to stay focused and really prioritize because there's only four things we can do with our time. We can start things, we can stop things, we can do more of things and we can do less of things. So if you really want to make things happen and be someone who's a difference maker, a legacy lever. You need to stay really focused because it's so easy to get distracted. And then you stay in that same cycle and never really see the growth or the possibility or the invention or the creativity that you could. 
And a minute ago, you was talking about getting people out of your life that, uh, you know, are not beneficial. They're not helping you achieve. And of course, if they're not helping you, there's no way you could be helping them. They just not one of them that wants to go get. All right. And I'll, I'll have to Google the person said this, but it was one of the uh, paraphrasing, basically, that um, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Zig Ziglar, I believe. Is that who it was? Zig? Zig is, Zig is the man. Now, I got a lot of his quotes, but uh, I didn't know if it was him or someone else. Yeah, it could have been also Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, those, those guys. They all, got a, they all got a similarity of yeah. their own brain with it. Yeah. But yeah, you're, if you're the smartest, you're in the wrong room. And uh, go back to, again, you know, you go out and try things, do things. Like I said, you may have failed at something 12 times in a row before it finally gets where you need to go. You know, supposedly it took uh, Edison, what, 10,000 times before he finally got that light bulb. And everybody's making fun of him that he failed 10,000 times. And he goes, no, I didn't. I found 10,000 ways it wouldn't work until I found what it would work. And so same thing here with your son in baseball. What do you consider to be successful in baseball if you bet 300, which is getting three hits out of 10, which means you failed at the plate seven times to be successful three times. And if you're successful three out of 10 in baseball, you're considered to be a good baseball player. That's right. Yeah. I remember when my son was pole vaulting and he would say, mom, every time you fail, because at, at some point you can't jump higher. So you just have to keep going until you fail. So you just know going in, you're you're going to fail, even if you got a, you know, a couple inches higher than last time. At some point, it ends in a failure. <laughs> and so it's that, as you know, the athlete's mindset where failure is part of it. But like a Michael Jordan, they'll tell you, you know, they, they missed more shots than most people ever took. And they were willing to, same thing with Wayne Gretzky. He was willing to fail more. So fail fast, fail often, and you, you'll achieve more than the people who are too afraid to even try. And again, we're talking with the author here of Success Habits of Super Achievers. And she's reluctantly saying she's a super achiever. No, she didn't. She says, I am a super achiever. So Appreciate you uh, coming up with the book. How'd you come up with that book? Who'd you, who's some of the people you interviewed? Yes. So in this book, this, uh, my friend, amazing, incredible mentor, Kyle Wilson. I'm a part of his mastermind. It's the Kyle Wilson Inner Circle. And this was one of about 10 books that he has. I'm actually in three of them where um, there's 80 people in this book who tell their story of overcoming some incredible hardship that they turned into something incredible. So the way I recommend people read this book is to read one story every morning or every night. When you read these stories, you will be so encouraged that you will want to get up, take on the day. You will have such incredible belief in what is possible, and you'll be so touched by these stories. Uh, My divorce story is actually in this book, and one of the things that I did with my divorce was I got certified as a divorce coach through the American Association of Christian Counselors, and I now help women to get through the stage of the separation, divorce, and post-divorce to really heal, get through that grief, and then create this amazing bonus life that they didn't even know was possible before. So I took that pain and realize, wow, there's a lot of other women out there, you know, just like me, only they get stuck. 
were stopped in bitterness and sadness. I mean, people listening could probably think of someone and, you know, hopefully it's not them, but someone, you know, who went through any tragedy could be divorce or something else. And they just stayed there in, in sadness, depression. And, and we have one life. It is too short. Let's live it to the fullest. Let's play all in. Let's have some fun. Let's enjoy it. It is not all struggle. It is not all hardness. There are seasons of that, but it is not meant to be forever. So don't stay there. I like when people say, uh, you know, you, you play the card you are dealt with, you know, in, in life, you know, uh, what's the other one people will say, oh, if you get handed lemons, what do you do with it? And then I tell people, uh, you know, uh, throw it away because I don't like lemons. I want a strawberry pie or a strawberry shake or something. I don't care for the lemons. So I'll throw it away. So and go totally different. So, uh, all right. Hey, Kelly, I appreciate you being on. You've been uh, very informative and, and sharing out here with everybody and throwing the stuff in. Go ahead and tell everybody your social medias and website and stuff. And uh, again, I'll put this stuff in the show notes, but for the people listening, if you can tell them how to find you and we can go from there. Thank you. Yeah, everything is my name. It's Kelly with an I, Calabrese, C-A-L-A-B-R-E-S-E. So kellycalabrese.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. It's all Kelly Calabrese. I have hundreds of videos out there that uh, really help and encourage people to get through difficulty. I just uh, did one today on perfectionism where people who are perfectionists, that will destroy your life and everyone around you who you live with, who you expect to be perfect. So a variety of different topics. I'm happy to talk to anyone about that. Um, My divorce coaching is intentionallyfabulous.com. And I also have a private Facebook group for women where I coach them and help them and support them. And we laugh, we talk about the hard things. And that's on Facebook uh, at Intentionally Fabulous. All right. Awesome. And again, I'll put those in the show notes for make it easier for people to come find you. Uh, so for the ones that are listening, though. And so, all right. We appreciate everything. I mean, you've been valuable. Again, sharing your valuable time is, is, is amazing at the beginning. But everything you gave just uh, enhances everything about you. And appreciate that you're willing to help the fellow person uh, going through whatever they go, go through to help them uh, with that, especially in the divorce area. There's a lot of people, especially, I would think women handle it, the majority of women, not 100%, uh, majority of the women, I would think, take it harder than the men. And I mean, there's some men that obviously do harder as well, but that's what I say, not 100%. So I'm glad you're willing to help them see a brighter future and help them get through and, and move forward in life, have the best life they can be. Thank you. And I will say, I don't think it's any easier on the men. I, my heart breaks for them. I am not anti-man and this is not at all in any way against the men. Um, Their hearts can break just as much. So I feel for them, but I just was led to work with women. I'm sure there's a lot of help out there for the men as well. Yeah. I interviewed one guy and he goes by the divorce advocate, something like that. Okay. And, and he's a dad helping other dads, that they're newly divorced help them, uh, especially when the, especially when the children are, are involved in the uh, divorce uh, at that time. And so, yeah, so I interviewed him. He, he was good. And his niche main thing is working with men. So, yeah. all right, Kelly, if you can do one last thing for us, uh, we know there's people hurting and struggling today. And if you can give us a powerful message to help um, them get through today, boy, that's going to be a good blessing. 
Absolutely. I would say let love win. That is the barometer that I use to lead my life. It is the lens that I look through and the question that I ask myself every day, how can love win in this situation? I like that. Let love win. Yes. I like that. That's pretty good. So, all right, Kelly, thank you for being on and everyone else that's coming on the replay. Be sure to share this out with someone that knows that, you know, they can use some help. Uh, going through a, some of a separation, a divorce, or whatnot, and uh, so it can be an encouragement. And again, use the information that's going to be in the show notes and reach out to Kelly and see if she can help you get through everything. So, everyone else, I'm Dr. James Purdue. This is the Professor of Perseverance Podcast. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance Podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Purdue, Professor of Perseverance.